Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all you guys in the back. Welcome. My name is Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here at Shepherd of the Valley, and I am honored and excited that you've chosen to spend this Christmas Eve with us. Um, I am uh, notorious for late Christmas shopping. Anyone else here? Amen. Uh, the Christmas chaos of the season gets busy, and I get running, and um, eventually, like, I end up Christmas Eve thinking, there's that one gift I forgot, and I end up at, like, you know, Walgreens in the as-seen-on-TV section. <laughs> in fact, my, uh, my wife sent me this meme just as a reminder a few days ago to keep me from falling into the error of my past ways. It says this, if you're out shopping today, be nice to the retail workers. It's not their fault you waited till Mary's water broke to do your shopping. <laughs> now, a bit of a straw poll first. Um, how many here have finished your Christmas shopping now that I've started out that way? All right, pretty good. There's a few of us that still need a few. All right, bonus points. If you finished your Christmas shopping and wrapped all your gifts, like, wow, that's a good number. I appreciate that. Um, I still have a gift to wrap. Christmas gets chaotic. Christmas is a season full of, like, expectations, and sometimes they're set expectations and unsaid expectations. Sometimes families are a little bit busy, and we, we have some tension, and we are doing this season together. And in fact, sometimes the busyness of the Christmas season can pull us away from the heart of the Christmas season, what God intended for all of us. See, here at Shepherd of the Valley, over the last few weeks, we've been in this series unpacking these prophecies of God that happened long before Jesus was ever born. And they gave him a series of names. The first one was Emmanuel, that God is with us. But then it goes on and it says that he will be a wonderful counselor. He will be almighty God. And that he will be the prince of peace. How many in this room could use a little bit more peace in your life? Right, we can. The prince of peace as a title it's Zar Shalom, and it's this powerful word, Shalom, peace, that we see all the time in Hebrew culture. In fact, even today, they use that as a greeting. It's, it's the word peace, and it'd be like, peace be with you. But when I hear like the word prince, it isn't something, especially as an American in the 21st century, like right now, like prince doesn't carry a lot of like significance. I mean, the princes that I see look like this. Like, high drama, low authority. Like, I mean, on the, guy, you know, on the left there, you're right, you know, that, that outfit. Do you know who that kind of looks like? It looks like the guy from the Hotel.com, Captain Obvious. <laughs> now, if you are a lover of the monarchy, I apologize. But there is no actual authority there. That, in fact, we have TV shows about them and all these things. But the prince that the Bible is talking about, that word for prince, sar, it's a ruler or a master. It is one who has real authority. In fact, that passage goes on and it says, of the, the expanse of his authority, there will be no end. That the authority will be on his shoulders. That the only one who can actually bring deep and true abiding peace is this prince of peace who finds his fulfillment in a manger, coming as a baby. Now we have another problem when we think of this term, Prince of Peace, is that our definition of peace is far too small. 
The dictionary says that peace is the uh, non-warring condition of a nation or an agreement or a treaty between two antagonistic groups of people. Uh, for me, I'll just settle for a little quiet in the morning so I can have my coffee. But this idea of peace in our culture at our time is pretty shallow. And I understand why. It's because we struggle with it. 46 miles from where Jesus was born, there's a war going on right now. That there is a lack of peace in our world. And we see multiple wars, multiple strifes, not to mention even in our own home, the times that we have tension and that we struggle. So peace for us is a shallow word compared to biblical peace. The word in the Bible for peace, about like I mentioned before, is shalom. And that shalom not just means peace, but it actually has a really robust meaning. It can mean prosperity, wellness, health, wholeness, safety. In fact, the image in Hebrew is like this wall uh, that is our peace. And each element of our peace is like a brick that holds us fast, that connects us, that keeps us grounded. And in a world like ours today, that can get eroded pretty quickly. Anyone in this room ever struggled with peace? Have you ever struggled to have peace? I was thinking about this sermon and I was thinking about like our time together tonight and what I think the scripture wants to communicate to all of us this Christmas, I was thinking about in my own life, a time when God gave me a supernatural peace, a peace that kind of just hit me hard. And it was a time when I was really struggling, when I was missing peace. My daughter was about to be born. She's 14 now. She was like right about here in the choir, the short blonde one. And she, uh, she, we found out through the course of testing that there was a significant chance that she would have some chromosomal anomalies that would make her life very challenging. And we didn't know what to do as parents. We, we, we had Gabriel, and that was a hard birth, and now we're looking at another one. And we were just struggling with how we could have peace and trust. Because how many of us know when it comes to medical doctoring, we have 0% control? And so we were just having a hard time. It was in a season where we were trying to discover a name for Nariah. Um, by the way, I won. Uh, Michelle lost. Uh, Michelle likes to name our, uh, likes the names for how they sound, and I like the names for what they mean. And so we were kind of debating back and forth, and all under the subtext of this rocking medical news that we're wrestling with. And I just, I needed some space to think, and so I went out to nature. Now, I grew up in California, and where I was then was Newport Beach, California. We had this little postage stamp of nature called the Newport Back Bay. You would call it a park, um, and I was going to go run there. And so I went running, and I'm out, and all of a sudden, God, like, hits me. And all I hear is, your daughter's fine. And my first response was, like, Lord, could you be more specific? Like, could you, I, I would like all the answers in triplicate form, please. But that isn't the way that God spoke to me. In fact, what happened next for me, I couldn't describe till years later. But this wave came over me where it no longer mattered the outcome. It no longer mattered whether fine meant that we were going to go down this path and learn how to live in a different way or that God was going to do some sort of healing work, or that um, somewhere in between. I didn't know. 
but it no longer mattered because I had a promise. And that word kind of made a bubble of peace around me. And I went home and I said to Michelle, I said, you know, we, we don't actually, uh, first thing I said is, the Lord spoke to me on my run. And she's like, uh-huh, right. The Lord spoke to you. And, and then I said, we don't have any control over what happens, but we have a call to speak over our daughter's life what her name can mean. And her name should be Neriah. It means the burning lamp of God. Now, Michelle's original argument against the name Neriah was that it sounds too much like Mariah, and I don't want anyone calling her Mariah for Mariah Carey. Guess what? She was right. People still call her Mariah. <laughs> but the point being, what we learned is that we learned that sometimes peace is just given to us like a bubble of supernatural like moment to get through the moment. And I see some of that in the Christmas story. I mean, if you look at all the characters, if you look at Mary, Mary has this angel come to her, and for whatever reason, the angel like, says to her, this is going to happen, and she responds by saying, let it be unto me as you said. I would have been like, no way, pick someone else, please. That It was going to be hard for her. In fact, later as it goes on, like, she, she risked her life in the sense that in their culture, being with child without a marriage could have meant you were stoned, like you were throw, they would throw rocks at you until you died. It was like awful. But Mary, it says, treasured all these experiences, all these promises up in her heart. And those were another source of peace for her. That we look back and we remember the times when God was with us, when he was faithful. And those become these little bricks of peace that God puts into our shalom, our wall. You think of Joseph, and Joseph had every reason to check out. Joseph had worked to create a good name for himself. And by taking Mary in, if he said, yes, this is my child, then the community would view him differently. If he said no, and he made an accusation, it could put Mary's life at risk. And so the scripture says that he chose to separate quietly, but then God came to him in a dream. And the angel said, do not be afraid. Anyone wish you'd have a dream that said, do not be afraid from time to time? Or maybe the shepherds. The shepherds would have been the lowest on the totem pole. They would have been the least likely to be given the job to be heralds for a royal king. And yet the angels show up in a choir and they speak out the truth of who God would be. And the shepherds are so compelled by this that they move beyond their station in life and they tell everyone, See, they were given this peace by God in a supernatural way. Or even the Magi, we think about the three kings, the, the king makers, really, from far away. All they had was a, a, a set of old prophecies written down centuries before when the Hebrew people were enslaved there. And they kept those and learned from them and watched the stars. They were of a different faith, and yet they acknowledged that Jesus was the coming of the king, the prince of peace. This story in Luke is kind of like an opera. It's all done with song. And when the angels sing, it's like the peak, the climax of the opera. And this is what the angels sing to the people. They say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. You see, we use the word gospel, which means good news. And the good news is this, that amidst all our strife, 
amidst all our tension, amidst all of our messiness, that God comes to bring peace, that he is the Prince of Peace for you. And if you need to hear this tonight, that he wants to be with you exactly where you are, in whatever circumstance you are, whatever family tension you have, whatever diagnosis you're struggling with, whatever financial circumstance you face, whatever it might be, that ultimately God wants to be with you. That is the climax of the story. Jesus grew up and he began to speak about this peace, this heavenly peace, this shalom peace. When he gives his Sermon on the Mount, when he gives the Beatitudes, some of the most famous statements in the whole Bible, he says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You see, God wants not only to give us peace, but he wants to make us conduits of this wholeness, this shalom, that he wants to replace everything in us that we try to fill our heart, our soul with, and give us himself, which creates this peace, and then pour that out of us into a world that needs it. And then that is how the world recognizes that we're children of God. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem for the last time. There's a big political upheaval and people are proclaiming him as king, as Messiah, the savior, but they think it's going to be a political saving. They think they're going to free them from Roman oppression and bad politics. And what Jesus says is this. He says, even if you, even you had only known this day, what would bring you peace? But now it's hidden from your eyes. He's speaking over the whole city of Jerusalem a city astir with political tension, not like anything in our world today, amen? All right. Jesus, in his most intimate moments, when he's with his best friends before he dies, he says this, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. You see, the world's definition of peace is far too small. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And Jesus says, do not be afraid a whole lot. He also says, go in peace and peace be with you. Seven different times in the New Testament. The last thing he tells them in this same conversation, he says, I've told you all these things so that in me, you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, how do you experience peace these days. I was thinking about that same story that I told earlier about my daughter's birth and that in the moment I had this kind of supernatural experience of peace. We're actually, and I asked my daughter's permission to share this, we're actually in another season where we're struggling. About the last year, my daughter was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And so that's an autoimmune-related issue. And just a couple months ago, the doctor said, you know, this medicine isn't working. We're going to have to change a medicine. And this time, I didn't get a, like, bubble of peace. This time, I've, like, I have 0% control over the medical outcome. And it's a wrestle. It's a daily wrestle for my daughter, but for my family. But here's the thing. You see, our relationship with Jesus actually gives us peace sometimes, moment by moment. Sometimes it's not some supernatural experience. Sometimes it's like, can, right now. And right now. 
And Paul gives us wording for this. Paul was a pastor in the first church, and he wrote letters to all these churches in moments of strife, in moments of th- where things were uncertain and the future was unknown. And he said this. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. You see, the promise isn't that everything that I want to happen will happen or that it'll go the way that I want it to. And all of us in this room at different times, we've had things challenge our peace. That there are times when we'll get the diagnosis we don't want. There were times we'll be in the financial situation we don't want. There'll be times when the relationships around us seem hopeless. But what God promises to us is that he will trade our fear and anxiety sometimes moment by moment with his peace. And that peace's job, that shalom, is to be a wall that guards our hearts and minds in Christ. That he is the one who does the work. Have any of you ever tried to muster up peace for yourself? I'm just going to be more peaceful this year. How's that working out? (laughs) It doesn't work out for me. But I've come to learn something. That this Emmanuel is the missing piece. That God wants to be with us and give us peace right here, right now. That he wants us to be carriers of that peace wherever we go. And this is a good promise for all of us. And the byproduct of that is joy. Jesus came to us in the package of a vulnerable baby so that we would have to receive him as such that we would have to embrace him and recognize he is one of us and come to be with us. I believe that this peace is so important for us because he wants us to carry it out into a world that needs it all the more today than it ever has. And he's chosen you and I to be carriers of that peace and to receive the blessing of his grace and truth. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray that all of us in whatever season of life we're in right now, that you'd speak to us, that you'd give us your peace. I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And I ask you to guard our hearts and minds and that you would create in us joy because of that. Teach us how you rule and reign in the darkest time with your gentle and kind hand. In Jesus' name, amen.